Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Be The Church podcast, where we are engaging in conversations that will encourage you to live out your faith in everyday context so that you can be the church. I'm your producer, Isaiah. And I'm one of your hosts, Kevin. And it'll just be us two today. And to keep it simple, we are talking about evangelism and how to share your faith, Uh, specifically learning how to do this like we learned how to rest well in our last non-answering skeptics episode. (laughs) If that didn't make any sense to you, don't worry about it. But for those who follow regularly, you'll understand. Um, So before we get into the topic, I will always include and just say, if you have any questions as we're discussing, or if you have future ideas spurred on by this topic or other topics, uh, feel free to email us at podcast at alethegainesville.com. We love to hear from you. We love to get your ideas and uh, maybe you'll hear from them soon. All right. So looking at the uh, topic of evangelism, uh, that leads us to our very first question, which simply is, Kevin, what is evangelism? Yeah, I think probably the the simplest way to put it is evangelism is simply getting the message or the good news of what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ and what he's done out to others. So, you know, that word, the word evangelism, we get from a Greek word, which is euangelion, right? And it literally just means message out. Um, angels, right? Angelion, if you hear it, is like the word for message. Right. Um, it's where we get our, our, our term angels from. Um, and, and angels were just simply messengers. They were people sent by God in the Old and New Testaments to send messages to his people to communicate things to them. So you, you kind of parse that out, and the word that, that prefix in front of that word, angelion, just means out. So it basically just means message out, means to get the yeah. message out. And, and this word in the Greek would often be used to describe the good news of a of a king returning from battle. So you you would you would use this word in the Greek. Someone would head into the town before the conquering army was returning, heralding the good news that the conquering army has returned. Mm-hmm. And so early Christians used this term to describe the good news of Christ because it's a it's a Christian belief that the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of Satan has been defeated by Christ. Amen work on the cross and in his death, burial, and resurrection. And so therefore, we evangelize or we take the message out. We herald that good news to the world that Jesus has defeated sin and death and raised from the dead. Yeah, so looking at that, I think you put it really well, just like essentially sharing the good news of the gospel, and you went over that a little bit, and just like the hope that is in Christ and trying to share that with others. Um, I think it, it, it can be, it's a very simple idea, but at the same time, there are many layers. I mean, looking at our apologetics, um, oh, what do I call it? Not plan. Um, grouping? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Our, 
Why am I blinking on this word right now? I'm not oh. sure. I don't read your mind, <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure where you're going with this. I am a fil- um, I am familiar with apologetics. I am, uh, however, unfamiliar with with where you're going. What word you're yeah. looking for? Here. Series. There we yeah, go. We'll go oh, series. You mean yes. in the podcast? Yes, yes the podcast <laughs> series on answering skeptics. Sorry that took so long. We'll see if that stays um, in or not. But you know, Isaiah, just to go on a rabbit trail here for just a second, I read something recently that said if you forget the word for something, instead of just saying I, I can't remember the word or whatever else, you should say I can't remember the word in English. That way, it makes you look bilingual and very, very intelligent. So, like, in that situation, you should have said, you know, Kevin, I can't remember the word in English right now for this. And then we would have gotten there and have been like, oh, the, the word is series. The word is series that you're looking for. Oh, uh, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. You know, you could have pre- pretended that you were bilingual and spoken another I language. I definitely look and sound like I'm bilingual, <laughs> for sure. Um, so, yeah, but with our series in Answering Skeptics, <laughs> after that lovely rabbit hole, uh, this is what happens when David's not here. Um, uh, looking at that series, though, we see there are a lot of layers to what can be included in evangelism. Um, but we'll talk more about different forms of evangelism and maybe how we go yeah. about it. Um, do you want to add anything else to what is evangelism? Yeah, I think I, I would just say, like, evangelism at its core is an attempt uh, to share the good news of what Christ has done. So that also is going to mean then um, that sometimes we do things with the intention of them being evangelism, but they don't actually, um, they're not actually evangelism. It doesn't mean that they're not good things. It doesn't mean that they aren't even a part of um, the evangelism process, but they're, but at the end of the day, when we're talking about evangelism, the long-term goal of that is to actually share with somebody the good news of what Christ has done and their yeah. need for him. So, you know, it's like if I share my testimony, that can certainly be a part of evangelism, but that's not telling somebody the good news of what Christ has done for them. If I mm-hmm. serve the homeless or the poor or some other social justice initiative, again, a good thing but if there's no proclamation of what Christ has actually done, uh, then it's insufficient. Or, yeah. or maybe like one that's common in our context in a college town, um, apologetics, often a very, very important thing to participate in before you might share the gospel sure. with somebody. Uh, however, that's not sharing the good news of what Christ has done. Yeah. Right? Apologetics are attempting to defend things that Christians believe or why belief in Christ and the good news of what he's done is trustworthy or believable or reliable, but it's not actually heralding the good news itself. Heralding the good news is actually sharing the reality of the bad news of who we are as sinners and the good news of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah. I I love that you said that because, um, when it comes to evangelism, I think we can muddle down into other details. And so I think it's it's good to recognize just that very simple, very core mentality of evangelism and how other things are not part of evangelism but come alongside evangelism. Yeah. And I think that's really, really valuable. For yeah, sure. absolutely. One of, the, one of the things maybe just to, to wrap this question up, but 
I always like to read second one. If you haven't noticed yet, second Corinthians chapter five verses like 16 through 21. is just like my absolute favorite section of scripture. I just like to add 14 and 15 to the start of that, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's just so much there. Um, but what, what I'll say is when, when talking about evangelism, I think verses 20 and 21, sum things up really well. Um, Paul says this to the church at Corinth. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I think that encapsulates what evangelism is. It's God making his appeal to others through us to be reconciled to him. Absolutely. So, and I think that even goes into this next question then of why should we do evangelism? Why should we evangelize? Yeah. So kind of two parts that I, that come to my mind immediately uh, when I'm thinking about it. One, we're commanded to do it. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and, and this always leads to like interesting conversations, especially depending on what theological persuasion you come from, especially when it comes to uh, your belief in the sovereignty of God and how that sure. works itself out and where's free will and whatever else. And we don't need to get into that today. But I think, you know, what's what's really interesting is, you know, we, we tend to hold a, a, a more uh, reformed position on the, the sovereignty of God and salvation uh, at our church. And so sometimes we get asked by people that don't hold that position, or even some of those that do hold that position, well, why would we share our faith? And, and I always answer, well, one, we're commanded to do it. Um, and two, not only are we commanded to do it, but if we do believe in the biblical terms that Paul uses in the book of Ephesians and other places of predestination or election, um, we don't know who the, the predestined or the elect are. And as a matter of fact, Paul tells us there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are God's ambassadors and that God calls the elect oftentimes through his people as ambassadors, sharing the good news and making an appeal on his behalf to be reconciled to God. So I think, like, first and foremost, it's we're commanded to do it. And in that command, it is not the only strategy that God has devised to save people, but it's the primary means by which God has designed to reconcile people to himself, is sharing the good news of what he's done through his people who are rescued and redeemed by him, the church, the body of Christ. So one, we're commanded, that's why we do it. But two, I think something that often gets missed is how rewarding evangelism is. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean it's not difficult sometimes. Sure. It absolutely can be difficult. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed in sharing my faith over the years and sharing the good news of what Christ has done is, first and foremost, it has this tendency to humble me in a way that, that's really necessary. Yeah. And I don't mean humble me because I fail or, or whatever else. Like Theologically, I don't really hold to that position <laughs> when, when you go out and do evangelism. I mean that it humbles me in the sense that it reminds me of where I once was and where God has brought me to this point in my life. That oftentimes when I'm talking to somebody or I'm, I'm sharing the good news with somebody and we're having a conversation where we're, we're dialoguing back and forth, I see things in their hesitations or objections they might bring up that I once believed. 
And now God has opened my eyes to see that. So it, it actually like increases worship in my own heart because in sharing the good news, I'm reminded of what God has rescued me from and where he has brought me to. Yeah. Um, the second th- reason why I say it's rewarding is when you see God save somebody, mm. you get to have like a front row seat for that, whatever your role in that entire process was. Yeah. There are a few things on this earth that can match just the the joy that comes from that type of impact you get to have on somebody's life. Yeah. To to hear and see people embrace Jesus and then walk with them and see him transform their lives right before your eyes and know that that's because you were obedient to that call in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 mm-hmm. to be an ambassador and make an appeal on behalf of Christ so that they might be reconciled to him. That's a real gift. And so, you know, we evangelize because, one, there's a need, two, because we're commanded, and three, God meets us in that. And and I, rewards, the, the word I'm going to use here, he rewards us, but I, I don't mean it like in a reward in the sense of like we – we get like money or, you know, some sort of trophy or whatever else. I mean, a reward of like, we just get to honor our King who saved us. And there's great joy in that for the light, for, for a Christian who's walking with the Lord. Yeah, yeah no, I, uh, I, I love that uh, reminder because, you know, when, when I look at why we do it, I go back to second Corinthians five, 14 and 15 <laughs> You know, where it says the love of Christ compels us or controls, depending on what translation, but <laughs> the, the same idea there of it's an overwhelming desire in light of what Christ has done to no longer live for yourself, but for the one who for your sake died and was raised, you know, and just solely as a foundation for all that we do that Christ has called us and commanded us to do is not because we're trying to earn something, but solely because we just love God for all that he has done. And we're just in awe of how beautiful that is. And we want to share that with others. Um, I, I love in Matthew nine thirty six as well, you know, when it shows the love for the lost, uh, when Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Like what a, what a, a realization for us to, to have the eyes of Christ yeah. and see people and know like they need help too. Cause the longer I live, the more I realize just how screwed up I am and how much I need Jesus mm-hmm. and how much more those outside of Christ also need that help. And Absolutely. just trying to like genuinely out of love, share with them the hope of Christ. And I'm going to be honest, I'm a people pleaser. So this freaks <laughs> me out. Like I don't like to tell anyone anything controversial. And I've gone out with Kevin many times and I'm always nervous right before going out, but I have never regretted it. Yeah. Even when there are tough conversations, yeah. the Lord is faithful and the Lord is working and moving in each and every conversation so awesomely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like just desiring to be obedient as you know, we are commanded. And then just as a love for God and a love for others, I think it's so, so important. That is why we evangelize. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's good. I think, you know, it, we're studying the gospel of John right now as a church and you know, we're 
we're moving through John chapter eight right now where Jesus is calling himself the light of the world and he tells us to walk in the light as he is in the light. And I, I just think, you know, some of what Jesus is trying to communicate there as he as he's talking is that there's this idea of obedience to him and doing what he's asked asked us to do is actually for our good, which would include evangelism. Like, like we're actually going to love it. We're actually going to enjoy it. That's actually for our good that we, we do these things. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's encouraging to hear you say that there is an initial kind of sometimes uh, a getting over of yourself, getting yeah. over yourself or a, a, hey, like, I know I'm being given this opportunity right now to talk to this person or whatever it may be of like, like kind of like, come on, like we need, we need to get through this, right? Especially because I think, you know, at least in the United States, um, it's it's kind of taboo to talk about this stuff. Absolutely, I'm I'm not quite sure when that happened and and why that is, uh, but it's been made to be taboo. Um, yeah. and and one of the things I think we can, you know, try to recapture is really say like, hey, this doesn't need to be taboo. We can have a conversation about this, and at the end of the day, if we agree to disagree, then then so be it. But we need to get over ourselves and actually have this conversation because God has commanded us to do so. Yeah. For sure. So as we, we think about why we do it, then we get to probably the, the biggest, easiest one to flesh out a little bit yeah. is how do we evangelize? Yeah. So, so we've kind of hit on a few things uh, such as sharing your testimony, apologetics, uh, even as you said, like doing outreach, like with homeless people yeah. and whatnot, like as means to share the gospel so yeah. that we can have this initial conversation or initial encounter that opens up the opportunity to share this hope that we have in Christ. Um, so I guess where I would then go is maybe what are some thoughts towards specific strategies? Um, you know, and, and a lot of this is spurred on by when, as we're prepping to go to Columbia, you did a little training with our team. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I thought it was really, really helpful because there are so many strategies out there um, I know if the BCM background, we did three circles, we did yep. the bridge diagram. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I know crew has the four spiritual laws. Or knowing and, God personally is another one of them. Right. And, yeah. and so there's a lot of strategies out yeah. there, but what I appreciated about your approach is it seems to be a little bit more general and almost like it can include any of those, yeah, absolutely. but has a more heart behind it than just a yeah, particular absolutely. strategy. So before I dive into like some specific strategies, sure. um, I think it would be helpful if we, uh, kind of present um, the two prevailing uh, th ways that evangelism is done and kind of like what categories they get dropped oh, into. Yes. Yeah, so um, the first one would be um, relational evangelism. Sure. Uh, people that kind of like participate in that that style or that method of evangelism is they they seek to befriend and, and relationally connect with somebody with the long-term goal of as they get to know them, they either they invite them into community or if they serve them in some way that they'll they'll be given a hearing and they'll have the opportunity to sh share the good news with them. Right. The other style or, or model is what we refer to as specific intentional evangelism. It, it's got a couple of different names, but basically it's you go up, you talk to a stranger, and you try to spark a conversation with them. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been debates over centuries over which method is sure. the biblical method. Um, it's interesting. I think they're both biblical. You see both. Yeah. Um, you see families and, and come to Christ uh, in the book of Acts 
through relational evangelism. You see Paul do relational evangelism in the prisons uh, when he's there. And then you also see uh, the type of specific intentional evangelism where, you know, Peter's preaching on the steps of the temple or Paul's going to the Areopagus and, and sharing the good news there or going into the synagogues when he goes into a new city and, and does his method of, of persuading uh, of how Christ was the fulfillment of the messianic prophecies. And so I think it's important that we just kind of say like, hey, there's a place for both inside the church. Absolutely. And the reason why in particular specific intentional evangelism has gotten such a bad rap is one, because there have been a lot of people that use that type of method but don't maybe necessarily go about it in a way that we would approve of. Yeah. Or there are some cults that use that method as well that we don't want to get associated with. Yeah. But it's like anything else. Just because a cult or something else has ruined something that's good doesn't mean it can't be recaptured again for the glory of God. And so um, one of the things that we get the opportunity to do in a college town yeah. is engage in specific intentional evangelism probably more often than your average uh, church gets to yeah, no, college absolutely. campuses lead to that opportunity much more so than other places because there's a free exchange of ideas regularly occurring on college campuses. Right. Um, it's also a time where people tend to be thinking through big picture, absolutely big life questions about what they believe, what their worldview is, what they're doing, where they're going. And so um, I, I have a model that I present to people for specific intentional evangelism, although I would argue that it also can be used inside of relational evangelism sure. as well. <laughs> uh, and this model was taught to me by my pastor, Dave Prophet, um, who was the you know the founding pastor of Aletheia Church up in Harrisonburg, Virginia, back in the early 2000s, and has planted tons of churches over his lifetime. He's served overseas as a missionary in multiple countries. Um, he's led church planting movements before and has a real, real gift for evangelism. And so he, he would say that, you know, when you're, when you're doing evangelism, you need to approach it with, with, with some mindset of where you're trying to go and take somebody. And so a model can be helpful, but oftentimes, yeah. you know, the models that you had described earlier, sure, uh, you know, whether it's the spiritual laws or Romans road or, or whatever evangelism explosion and evangel cube. I mean, there's so many different things out there. Are there. Definitely plenty right. of options. Out um, there. He prefers to just simply talk, like have this method of like how to go through a conversation. Yeah. Because you might not have access to those tools. Sure. All the time. And so the model that we use, it's called CAMI, C-A-M-I, uh, it's just an acronym, right? And each each letter of the of the the word cami stands for something. So the right. C stands for connection. Yeah. The A stands for apologetics. The M stands for message, and the I stands for invitation. Mm. Right. And basically, kind of what what you're drilling down to there is, hey, every interaction needs to start with connecting with somebody. Um, we would go so far as to say, hey, we need to follow the biblical mandates of how we treat others, right? Yeah. So like Philippians chapter 2 says, treat others as more important than yourself, cons uh, considering their interests above your own, um, like Christ did for us, right? Yeah. I love the, the, the next six or seven verses yeah. there in Philippians <laughs> 2, 
right? And so, but really, you know, what we're trying to do is you're trying to get to know somebody and in getting to know them, you're displaying to them that they have value and worth because they do, because they're created in the image and likeness of God. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's really important because, you know, a lot of the models we talked about will fall in the apologetics message uh, invitation, but this is, I think, what really stands, stood out to me and stands out to, like, when we've gone out is we really take time to connect with people and be intentional to get to know them. Um, and I think that just speaks volumes. And as we've noticed in those times and just, you know, doing it enough you recognize people find that very welcoming and very considerate to open up a lot more and really process through uh, where they're at. And then you get to talk to them about their life and, and it leads into the rest of the conversation. So I think that that's definitely been really, really big and just shows a lot of heart behind what we're doing that it's not just, Oh, we're doing this because we have to, or because we should, but like we actually care as we're coming out. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, some, some would say like, oh, you're just, you know, using some sort of strategy or like sales tactic or whatever else. But, you know, the reality is, is we're, we're doing what God asks us to do because God mm. values yeah. his creation so much so that he sent his son to die on the cross for their sins. And so therefore it makes sense for us then as Christians to make it a priority to value others and find ways to display that to them. You know, the Bible would use the word hospitality here, right? And, and, and biblical hospitality is like inviting people in or showing them that they have value, right? And so that can be done a number of different ways. But the reality is, is that that's what we're going for here. We're trying to connect with them. And the interesting thing is that if you start off with c connecting in this way, right? So you're asking people questions about who they are, what are their hopes and dreams, what what's what's life like for them right now? How, how are they doing? Um, you know, for students, like, you know, what do they want to study? What do they want to do? Like, how, how, how's their involvement at the university going or whatever else it may be? But you can ask similar questions to, to dads or moms or yeah. uh, empty nesters. It, it's just simply taking time to get to know them and what's going on in their life right now. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about that is that as you do that, one, you're communicating to them that you value them and you care about them. Mm -hmm. But two, as you continue to do that, that's actually opening up the door and opportunities to maybe start seeing on like a heart level what's going on in this person's life. What might they be struggling with? What might they be wrestling with? And in that, that will give you an opening or an invitation yeah. to maybe steer the conversation towards spiritual things. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I remember one time in particular, we were out on campus and I was taking a, a student uh, out with me uh, to do some evangelism training, just show them like, hey, like this can be done. And the, the student didn't believe me. You know, the student was kind of like, no, there's no way that someone's going to think that you're being authentic and real with them. Like there's just no way. This person was a big proponent of relational evangelism, which by the way, I am as well, right? I do both. Yeah. Um, and we met these two young ladies on campus. They're both freshmen and we get to know them and whatever. About 15 minutes into the conversation, they start opening up to us um, about how because I had asked them a question about like what UF had been like for them and like what this experience had been like. And one of them just starts crying. And I said, Oh my gosh, like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to like, you know, if and she goes, no, like it's tears like of pain, but also joy. And she goes on to share that the, the young lady that she was sitting with had actually been in a foster home with mm -hmm. her years and years ago. And they hadn't seen each other for years. And they reconnected when they got to UF. 
And so they were both mourning over the fact that they had been in foster care for a season and how hard that had been, but also how they had been there for each other during that season and now were able to come together again. And I, I share that story because not every instance is like that, but I share that story of saying, like, there is a reality that sometimes when when you get to know people, they're carrying pretty heavy stuff. And showing that that they that they're valued and cared for, right, will cause them to open up and share things like that with you. And that gives a a us great insight then to what are the longings of their heart and how does Jesus meet them in those longings? Because he does. Mm. Yeah. Which inevitably leads us then to the next kind of portion of the the model, which is right. apologetics, you know. And you know this is gonna vary from person to person on how sure. how how much they're into just the study of apologetics in general, how how they would engage you. But really when we say apologetics, we're just we're looking at those things in someone's life that might be objections or barriers. Right. To or the just good news. or just questions. Right. And and trying to give answers to them. Yeah. You know, and so the good the good news is that if you've taken time to get to know somebody, right? One, they're probably going to be honest about their objections or their questions they might have. But two, you might know some of them already, and be able to to dive into them. Yeah, because you know a lot of times, our honestly our hope is that these are questions we've thought about and that you've thought about that we don't just sit and blindly just accept what we hear, but we actually wrestle through these things and. The reality is no one you encounter is going to ask a question that uh, someone else has not already asked. And so I think that opens up the door for us as we continue to be intentional in evangelism to learn these things over time and just process through them with people and help them have a healthy perspective from a, a believer on some of these tough questions. And that's one of the reasons we're doing the Answering Skeptics yeah, absolutely. Uh, series. Uh, is because it is just a helpful way, as we've said, to give you thoughtful responses, reasonable responses to a lot of these tough questions. And again, the goal is not to boom roasted, win an argument with someone. Right. It is it is to lead into like an invitation and uh, a sharing of the love and hope of Christ. Yeah, I would go so far as to say when you are participating in evangelism and you're participating in apologetics, somebody, if your goal was to win the argument, you have lost the goal of what you're trying to do. It doesn't mean you're trying to be wrong or yeah. or shown to be stupid or whatever else. It, it just means like you're you're not engaging that person to win a, a world a worldview debate with them. You're engaging with that person and engaging with their questions or their objections to point them to truth. Mm. And what they do with that truth is is not up to you, but yeah. your goal is to shine a light on the truth and point them in that direction. Mm. And so we go through connection, we go through apologetics, with the apologetics portion being then an opportunity for us to then move into the message. And, and that's where we just share, share a simple gospel presentation. Yeah. Um, I use a, an illustration uh, uh, called the wall and the bridge, um, but there are so many things out there. You know, this is one of the reasons why I say, like, the model that we describe for people is highly flexible because you can yeah. use other resources or things that, yeah. that you think might more clearly articulate um, what the gospel is and, and what it's done for people. And so, but really what you're doing is you're just trying to present what, what Christ has done. And in that also asking questions of, Hey, does this make sense to you? Is this something yeah. you've heard before? Do you, do you have, like, do you need any clarifying thing? Like you're, you're not, 
preaching, you're engaging in a conversation yeah, with somebody. And I think that's valuable through this whole process. Um, one of the most valuable assets you have in just talking to people is questions. Yep. Like just keep asking questions. It shows intentionality and it, it also allows you to uh, mold the conversation to what's on their mind. Like it's so much easier to work with people where they're at than to try to force them into a place that they're not at. And, and so asking those questions really helps us get to um, where they're at and helps them understand better. Absolutely. So then the last step, right? Invitation, right? And so I should preface this by saying we're, we're referring here to the specific intentional evangelism when you're out just talking to a stranger and trying to mm-hmm. have an opportunity. We we always encourage people to end with an invitation and that our invitation is always usually twofold. It's to invite them into Christian community in some way, shape, or form if they're not a part of one, but to an invitation to respond to the gospel, right? Yeah. And that's biblical, right? Second Corinthians chapter five, we appeal you to be reconciled, right? Yeah. We, we that's what that's all we're doing. We're just making a, an appeal, be reconciled to God, right? That's that's the invitation, and so you know we give an invitation to be a part of community, and we give an invitation to to become a follower of Jesus right then and there, and explain what that is. And you know we might do something like the sinner's prayer with them, or explain what it looks like to become a Christian, or, or whatever else. But what, what, whatever you feel comfortable with in that moment, that's what we're doing. And so, you know, that's what specific intentional evangelism looks like. The the connection part can start so many different ways, right? For me, I just walk up, I introduce myself, and I literally introduce myself as one of those crazy Christians that likes to walk around and meet people and invite them to to my church, right? Um, that's basically what we're doing. So I just feel like honesty is the best policy. They're thinking I'm weird. I might as well own up to it and say, yep, yeah. I know this is weird, but here I am, right? Yeah. But there are other ways, you know, some, some organizations like to use surveys. Um, some like to use like, um, like, uh, like different, <laughs> different outreach <laughs> events of ways to yeah. like engage people in conversations. You know, the, the campus ministries have s- discovered so many different ways uh, to try to engage people in conversations. Super, super creative, super thankful for campus ministries and what they do, but really, you know, whatever it takes just to, to begin the conversation, but you're, you're, you're doing this over the course of anywhere from half an hour to, to, 90 minutes to two hours sometimes, depending on how well the conversation goes with somebody. When we talk about relational evangelism, we're basically talking about doing that exact same thing that we just talked about over a longer period of time with somebody. And Lord willing, sometimes those uh, uh, specific intentional evangelistic uh, moments, as uh, we titled them, um, can lead to more relational evangelism as they receive invitation and want to be around community at the very least, if not receive Christ. And Absolutely. then seeing that conversation continue, uh, I think is is also really cool. Yeah, we've had a few people even come to faith in our church over the last couple of months that were met through specific intentional evangelism, Absolutely. but it then turned into relational evangelism with somebody. Because in that invitation, right, they might not even want to come to church or your your campus Bible study or your, right. your Bible study group or whatever it is that you might do, but they might be willing to grab lunch with you and yeah. continue the conversation. And you just open I'm, that up. I'm always a proponent of food being involved. So Absolutely. food, there's nothing like breaking bread to bring people together. Absolutely. So so when we talk about like ways to do evangelism, we're we're talking about loving on people, befriending people, just treat others the way you would want to be treated. Get to know them, love them, figure out what's going on in their life. And if the conversation doesn't go exactly as planned, that's okay. Right? Yeah. Like some of these conversations that have led to people coming to faith later in our church over the course of the last 10 years, the initial conversation may not have been great, but it opened up an opportunity for relational evangelism to begin. 
And yeah. over the course of time, someone came to faith. Yeah. Right. And so this is this is what we're getting at, right? It's 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 not overly complicated, right? You're doing really kind of even what Paul did in the early days. You're going in, you're meeting people where they're at, and then you're trying to dialogue and persuade with them about why Jesus is the greatest news the world has ever seen. Absolutely. So that leads me to the very last question, which uh, it's more of a uh, linked to earlier, but I think it's still important to say, uh, but like who should evangelize? Who, who should be a part of evangelism? Each and every follower of Jesus should be doing evangelism. Um, you know, there, there are definitely people who are going to be more gifted at this than others. Sure. Um, just like there are people that are more gifted at hospitality or administration or teaching or all the various gifts that the, that the word of God reveals to us. Um, however, a lack of giftedness in an area does not mean one does not have to then participate in that area. You know, I've heard over the years as a pastor, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism like you do, Kevin, so therefore I, I'm not going to evangelize. And I always kind of respond with this rebuttal. I know you've heard it a number of times at this Just point, Isaiah, right? But one of the gifts that's mentioned by God in the in, in his word is, is the gift of mercy. And I just say, well, I don't have the gift of mercy. Do, am I exempt from having to show mercy and forgiveness and grace towards people? And they're always like, well, no. And and the answer is, yes, I'm not exempt from that, even, even though I might not have a great capacity for mercy and forgiveness like some might. Does not free me from the command of God to be like my Savior and display mercy and grace towards others and love towards yeah. them. Yeah. And so the com- this command... The one specifically that I read earlier from Second Corinthians chapter five is that anyone who's in Christ, right? That's what second. Let me just read it actually. Second Corinthians chapter five, starting in verse sixteen, he says, "From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's talking about a believer. Yeah. He is a new creation." The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, right? And that's, you know, especially for people like me who had a crazy testimony, that's like our favorite verse of all time. We're like, yes, I'm a new creation, right? And there's great hope in that verse, right? But then look at what he says next. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And when he says we, he's not just talking about him and the other pastors and the other apostles. Right. He's saying we as Christians are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. Right? That is a command of Paul to the church at Corinth, that all of us are involved in the ministry of reconciliation. And that can look different ways at different times, but all of us are called to be sharing our faith with others. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think that's... uh 
very valuable message to remind people and, and to challenge a lot of people. Um, I know uh, I land more on the timid side and, you know, I don't need to do that. Uh, but it's been really good over the past few years to grow out of that and see the Lord get to use me in spite of that. Because again, oftentimes it's in spite of ourselves that the Holy Spirit still works. And in our weakness, he is strong. Um, you know, and I love that he's given us like the body of Christ so that as you are uh, gifted in something and I'm not like you get to come alongside me and you can help me grow and see how I can uh, use this even in light of my own fears and trepidations yeah. uh, as we've seen over the years. And I've gotten to go out with you and do evangelism. Um, and I'll just say to those who are timid, like. It can be really freaky at times or really intimidating, but it really like is one of the most blessed things we get to do and yeah. just being open and honest. And like, you don't have to beat around the bush or you don't have to like uh, do a bait and switch or anything crazy. Like, please don't just be open and honest and engage with people. We're called not to be fruitful and be really successful. We're called just to be faithful and to initiate those conversations. And we don't even know how those will impact people over the years. So we're just faithful to engage, to love, whether it is um, randomly on campus, you know, just engaging with people uh, around uh, different areas or whether it's in our classes or our workplace or where we play pickleball. For those of you out there who play pickleball like me um, or just wherever your life takes you, we're intentional and open to how the Lord works. And I'll just encourage you guys um, in this whole process, as we're thinking about this, it's not about trying to figure out how you can do this alone, but through it all, like be prayerful. Like you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and you have a God who loves you and has called you to do this thing and wants to be a part of that process. So I know for me, like one of my prayer requests is, Lord, would you open doors for me to have conversations and would you give me the boldness to actually walk through them? Um, you know, and, and so like we can be prayerfully asking for his help or just when you wake up in the morning, uh, one of my friends just, I, I love this prayer of just Lord, use me, this, use me today. And like the Lord is so faithful in that. So as you desire to do these things, we're called to do like just prayer, be open and see the Lord work. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. So with that, thank you all for joining us today. We hope you feel encouraged and maybe even uh, a little challenged uh, to go and be bold in your faith. Um, and if you have questions, if you want further thoughts, feel free to email us at podcast at Also, be sure to like, subscribe, do the things that people do online. Uh, we try to stay a little disconnected, so we don't know exactly what those things are, but um, that's okay because uh, the Lord is faithful through it all. <laughs> um, Yes. So we're excited to hopefully even hear stories of how you guys are doing this and engaging with others. Um, and we just ask and pray that you go and be the church. That makes sense. Do you want me to answer the what is evangelism question since he's yes. not here? Um, do I have to say what he says or can I say no, what I want to say? You can say whatever you want, Kevin. Uh with David being gone, all his answers are now forfeit. So you have free reign. Hooray. Yeah. Wow. Look at how efficient we can be. It's only the two of us. It's not even 4.30 yet. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. That's that's to you, David. Uh, your lack of presence here means we are ahead of schedule.
We still love you, though. You can't see it if you're just listening, but I'm smiling. <laughs>